your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 257 of Locked On Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and enter promo code Locked On to get 20% off your first order. My name is Laura Sab. I'm one of your hosts, also known as the Active Stick, the curator of Hockey and Habs Feelings. And I'm here with Scott Matla, Laval expert for Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott, how are you doing today? I don't know if I can take the title of expert given who our guest is today, um, but I'm currently <laughs> doing great and hoping my power doesn't go out in this windstorm right now and just cap off a truly phenomenal week at work overall. Our guest is an expert, but for another outlet, and we're so excited to have him back. He is known to our listeners as our favorite person not named Nick Suzuki, and that is Mark Jumeau, who is a special con- contributor to the Montreal Canadiens website. Mark, how are you doing? I am doing great, and I'm also legally changing my name to Nick Suzuki. So just just to make it, you're gonna you're gonna say our favorite podcast, our favorite person on the podcast is Nick Suzuki's. We will have two Nick Suzuki's and multiple. No, Nick Suzuki's. no more Mark Dumont. We don't need that. <laughs> it's always good to have more Nick Suzuki's, but it's also always good to read what you have to write. So since the last time we talked. Some things have changed, and you are now a special contributor to the Montreal Canadiens website, canadien.com. Um, Isn't that crazy? And so it's, I know, I was going to say, like, you are co-workers with Carey Price. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah we, we grab beers all the time. Like, it's, uh, well, you know, socially distant beers, so we're in two different boats, but uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, we're, we're tight. UP mows my lawn. It's 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 a good deal. It's a great. It's honestly like it was so exciting to see that happen. And so it's been, <laughs> I want to say, two or three months now. It or time is flying by much faster. It, it, this this happened in the spring, like if I recall correctly. Fewer than ten years is how I can. I don't know. <laughs> Like what day or month or decade we are, but um, it's been since the athletic laid me off. Essentially, the Canadians came knocking immediately, which was a pretty cool thing to see. Especially, you know, you get laid off in the middle of a pandemic with absolutely no warning, even while your numbers are amazing and they're telling you you're doing good. So that was probably the lowest of my low. And then the Canadians came in, and that obviously that that was pretty cool. I, I have to say, I, I I owe a debt of gratitude to the Canadians. But not only that they approached me, is that they're letting me do whatever I want in the sense that I have to be respectful, but they're not censoring me, and that is something that was important to me if I was going to write for the Canadians. So, uh, yeah, so far it's been great. And I think that's really telling about the work that you've put out before this this particular gig. Because, you know, we know you as you are our friend, you were our editor on Habs Eyes on the Prize, but you're a really friendly, funny, like laid back kind of guy. And then one of the biggest teams in the NHL has you writing for them. And they (laughs) say, you know what, you can obviously within reason, but you can you can pursue the stories you want. And they're giving you access to all kinds of people. I'm so excited to talk about some of the things that you've written about, because it's just it's so cool to me that the same kind of person that we used to make fun of Scott in the Slack chat. Is Squirt. now like <laughs> <Squirt>. uh, <laughs> scoot medals. 
now I just get made fun of on Twitter for everyone to see. It's not it's not quite the same as it used to be where you type my name in. Uh the sad Bobby Ryan gif came up from the Olympics, so like it's a little bit better, I guess. But well, this is the thing, we do it out of love, right, Mark? No, 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 not whatsoever. <laughs> I, I just like make, making fun of no Scoot Medals uh is to be respected. You know, one thing we should note here is that Laura was at Eyes on the Prize before I was. Uh she took yeah. over kind of with Andrew because Eyes on the Prize used to be they they'd put like girls in bikinis like Habs bikinis up and stuff like it was there was some cool history stuff but it was really like a terrible blog so a lot of the credit when you think about it we had so many people that wrote there that ended up on hockey teams uh you know going from Eric to Bruce to Jack to myself uh Andrew writes for Sportsnet um we have a couple guys that worked with the Rangers and all of them actually came in after Laura. So we all owe Laura a pretty big debt of gratitude there. I'm going to be really honest, as much as I love hearing that, like a lot of the credit goes to Andrew because I will, ah. you know, I will, I will admit that he does <laughs> give me a lot of, he does give me so much credit because we did brainstorm a lot of ideas together. We recruited people together. Like a lot of the, the shift in the voice and stuff happened. And yeah. I was like, you know, I was listened to and respected. And I think that that's, a lot for especially for somebody who didn't really have that much experience and especially a woman in sports so I do owe a lot to Andrew but I I remember being around I was sort of like floating on my way out while you guys were were coming up in the ranks and I just remember it being like a fun camaraderie and and like you said like there are there are people that have gone on to work for teams like you are writing for the Canadians you know and yeah. I, I mean not to discount you know I was I, I got lucky enough to get a gig a, a radio gig on that right yeah, with so Connor, right? it's exactly and so it's been it's been it's been a fun what do you call it, training ground for a lot of us but yeah. I truly like anytime I see somebody succeeding I'm so happy for them and it's just like to me I wonder, like, when you first started writing for us, like, did you ever expect that you were going to be writing for the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, no, I mean, I was making jokes. I, I like, I remember my first big project was, remember when the Bruins were getting all over, all on their high horse about the Canadians diving? So I went into the archives <laughs> and I just pulled that. Remember, I, I wrote one, you can Google it. Uh, the Bruins are the emperors of embellishment. And like, I, I even went after Bobby Orr saying his, his, you know, his, uh, cup winning goal goal was clearly a dive and you know and like so i i got up all the video of zdeno chara when you know someone slightly came close to his face overreacting and i even got what's the name of that uh angry guy in boston haggerty i got him hooked on it and i got all of boston losing their minds at me because i turned it around that was at the time that we debuted the bruins wheel of excuses but no i essentially started out as like a polished troll and then and then memes came into it and i lost all my my value there because i can make jokes but memes just destroy any value of like thought out jokes it's just you know it's uh it's like uh you're throwing so much crap at the wall some of it sticks but there's no value there right and it ruins original jokes so i kind of had to pivot towards being more serious um and that's how that all worked out but no i started out making jokes i mean if you look up what andrew wrote it's like mark's here to make some funnies and that that was about it (laughs) and i do remember you making us laugh a lot and 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 i remember just you know, it, it was comic relief, especially in some of the years that we were we were writing. Like, I remember the Canadians had some lean years. And so night in and night out, I would be responsible for the top six minutes and I would have to find things to be happy about. And and the memes like really, really kind of established eyes on the prize as a community where like you could yeah. vent, but you didn't necessarily have to be crapping on the team all the time. Like yeah. you could just express your frustration in funny ways. 
Yeah, and that was a big part of it with the Canadians when they spoke to me because obviously I'm born from the Canadians fan community, right? And one of the big things that they wanted to get is someone to kind of be in touch with how people feel. But at the same time, it's so easy to be positive about sports because, I mean, the whole point of sports is not to win together, right? It's to lose together. Yeah, you might <laughs> win eventually, but like the whole point of professional sports is that you can go grab the buddy that's wearing the exact same color as you are. You know, if your team's uh, go red, then you go find the guy in the closest red shirt and, and you have a drink together. You say, yeah, you know, maybe next year. So I kind of use that approach in the sense that I don't get upset at sports. I don't get angry because there are so many more real things in the world to get upset about. Uh, to me, it's all about fun, even when you lose. Because, again, the whole point of sports is to lose together. And you know what? Like the thing that you said, it's it's the, the fact that you're in touch with the fan base. I think that's so astute of, of the Canadians is – you know, they're a brand and they're like, you know, billion dollar. I don't even know how much they're worth brand. They're like one of the most valuable sports teams in bucks. North America. Yeah. <laughs> At least 50 bucks. And the fact that they realize that like, you know, we're, we're now in an era where you have to reach the fans directly. I think what better person than somebody who understands that, that was one of them uh, has a professional approach, but also like understands their voice. What I want to ask you about is sort of you observing the the playoffs and what happened what ensued like from your new i don't want to call it a perch it sounds too snobby but you know what i mean and we're going to talk no, no, about I, that I, I demanded a perch i actually <laughs> i actually sit in the press box on a perch so i'm yeah i'm higher than everyone else yeah <laughs> and we will talk about that perch in just one moment but first i want to remind all of our listeners about one of our favorite sponsors Built Bar, we've talked to you about them before, but just in case you missed any of those episodes, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, that textures like a candy bar. They're made with real chocolate. You cannot tell the difference between that and a protein bar. That's how good they are. And whenever we talk about them, whenever Scott and I talk about them, I know some of our listeners say you make them sound so good. And that is because they are. They taste like a candy bar, but here's what. They all have at least 20 grams of protein. They're low in sugar. They're friendly to any kind of diet, you know, the keto diet, whatever it is. If you care about calories, they're low in calorie, and they've got so many good flavors like apple almond crisp, lemon almond cheesecake, cheesecake flavored candy bar, but it's a protein bar. And it'll blow your mind. And I know you guys want to try it because we make it sound so good. We, the reason is we love it. Like we use it all the time. I use it for breakfast. Scott uses it on hikes. This is a useful and delicious protein bar, unlike any other on the market. You guys want to try it? Go to BuiltBar.com, enter promo code LOCKEDON, and get 20% off your first order. That's BuiltBar.com. Enter promo code LOCKEDON. It's 20% off your first order. Try them and then come back and tell us which ones you guys liked. So, everybody, I owe uh, Mark Dumont cookies. And what I'm actually, I think I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to be cookies. I do. So maybe I'll just go get him some baklava. And then if he likes it, we'll tell you guys where it's from. <laughs> that is the best upgrade in the, like cookie. Oh my God. Baklava is at such a higher level than cookies. Like it's not even close. It's like if we were comparing pineapple to like cantaloupe. Yeah. Huge upgrade. Huge upgrade. Huge Nobody upgrade. Likes All right. So right? I certainly don't. It's like, it's like useless in a brunch. Like I don't. People you put it in there. Fruit. Exactly. It's a filler fruit. That's exactly it. All right. So baklava, we settled on baklava, but before we get into that, we want to talk to you about your job. <laughs> That's why we're all here. And I wanted to ask from your perch in the press box, which you weren't allowed to go with the, into the bubble, right? Like the bubble had very few people in it. And I think you were not allowed to go. 
No, no oh. nor honestly, I wasn't interested. But what the Canadians did, which was smart, uh, they just sent a cameraman or a camera person, and uh, just so that way they were, could record everything, and then we could produce content on top of that. But no, uh, I was not invited to the bubble, and I'm really thankful for that because honestly, it, it was just such a weird time. I didn't really feel like going. And, and dealing with all that. Yeah, and then and the less people they sent, the less people were kind of, you know, isolated from their loved ones, and yeah. the less people that they had to worry about their health and had to worry about keeping um, in in the bubble. Like I don't want to say imprisoning, but you know, you know what I mean. Like the the less people they had to confine. But yeah. I mean, I, and that's the thing. You like you came on board in the off season, the the first off season that we had. And then when you started writing, like fairly soon after training camp started, right? Around oh, training time? camp for the bubble. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I'm so uh, it's kind of lost on this timeline. Um, yeah. Just <laughs> as they were pretty much entering the bubble was uh, because w- what had happened is that they announced the return to play. And that's actually pretty much when the, uh, my old company decided to do all the layoffs is when they announced the return to play there. So um, sports were restarting and I didn't have a job. And then, yeah, actually it was the Canadian sent me an email. Uh, and they wanted to talk, so it was. Uh, it came from a higher up in the in the company as well, which is pretty interesting. But I, to me, it kind of showed. To get back to what you were talking about earlier, Laura, like a bit of a commitment there to to get back to the grassroots, to the fans, and you guys know the number one thing I'll do. Like I'll, I will protect my writers no matter what, and, and Scott knows this. I get pretty vicious, but the one thing I won't do is if my writers go after fans, I won't protect them because. When it comes down to it, like this is all for the fans, right? This is it has to be a really fun experience for the fans. So um, I think the Canadians are, are I've acknowledged that, and uh, obviously I'm tooting my own horn here, but I think it shows a commitment to getting back to what's important, and it, that will always be the fans. And that's the thing, because like we always talk about how we wouldn't have jobs if there were no fans, but sports teams themselves wouldn't exist if there if there were no fans. I mean, they're there for a reason, and their cons- consumers are fans of the team, people who want to connect. And so uh, from your perspective, I guess, like, cause we want to talk, like we've talked quite a bit about this, especially in the playoffs. We were, we were pleasantly surprised, but I think, I, I think we knew they had it in them. And a frustration that we had in the regular season was that things weren't clicking right. Like the goals weren't going in, you know, there was always something that was wrong. Like when the offense was clicking, the defense wasn't doing as well when the goaltending was not doing well, but the, you know, the other team, like the, the, the skaters were okay, but the goaltending was letting them down. There was always something that wasn't coming together. And yeah. then in the series against Pittsburgh, they seemed to find that other gear. And although they lost against Philadelphia, when we were watching, we liked a lot of what we saw. And so my question to you is this, when you first, when, when the season first started back in September with the, with the last year, with the training camp and all of that, and then when the playoffs rolled around, like for me, it was a little bit of a vindication. I wasn't expecting that good, but we had always felt that the Canadians were better than their record. And I'm wondering if that was your perspective as well, having covered them so closely and also then from like sort of an insider perspective. Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, there's two things that really came out of the playoffs for me is number one, like you said, obviously they were so close, but eventually you have to admit it. There, there was a lack of shooting talent with the Canadians, right? I feel like they did rectify that to a certain extent uh, this off season. And obviously it's something that every team needs. They need more goals. Um, but what I saw there uh, was enough to make me forget about how bad the season actually was. Cause it, let's, let, let's remember here, 
you know, the Canadians had two eight-game losing streaks. They lost to Detroit four times, and nobody's talking about it. That's how good. <laughs> that's how good the playoffs were. So, uh, like, and I don't want to dredge up any bad memories, but to me, that performance. It was actually justified no longer speaking about those, 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 because we, we all know the Canadians are better than those two eight game losing streaks. They were better than the Flyers and Flyers fans will admit this. The Canadians were the better team there. Yes, they lost, but they played quite well. So to me, uh, it erased a lot of bad memories. And, and I think another really important thing here is it made Montreal seem like a destination. Everyone was paying attention to that first round. And when you do such a good job shutting down Crosby and Malkin, with young guys, with Nick Suzuki 2, I'll call him Nick Suzuki 2 because I'm Nick Suzuki 1, but he, <laughs> Nick Suzuki 2 is, is playing so well, he's leading the team as a rookie. Jonathan Drouin, by the way, who, who everyone wrote off, also led the team in scoring. Uh, you had Jesperi Kotkaniemi that was playing so darn well. You have just such a, such a, 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 a ton of depth. A ton of young depth. And then you have the guys like the Price and the Webers and that. Let's not forget Jeff Petrie, who's a freaking hero. Like Jeff Petrie, do you remember three years ago how people were saying he's bad, he's bad? And, and a lot of high, high paid analysts did not like this guy. Um, Jeff Petrie has been the most consistent and best player in the Montreal Canadiens for the last five years. This is, I'm talking about consistency too, right? Like this is not just like up and down. Jeff Petrie has been excellent and probably one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. And I think people are starting to realize now that the Habs have a lot of the good ingredients, they just need a little bit of talent. And that's how you finally get that talent, the guys like Toffoli and the guys like Josh Anderson, to come. Is you 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 put on what you have on display and you say, hey guys, there's spaces here, but we need you to fill them out. So for once, Montreal felt like a destination, right? Like they were, they Montreal dominated the headlines because they were signing so many people that the excitement level went up through the roof. And I think that's just the other huge part of, of the playoffs is that they erased this idea that Montreal is not a destination. And let's face it, Montreal wasn't a destination for free agents for a very long time. Now it's starting to become a little more attractive. So I think that was a huge win for um, not just the fans, but also Marc Benjamin, because that actually allows them to sign some players. Let's face it, it's been difficult in the past. So hopefully this leads to a, you know more options down the road uh, for, for free agents in Montreal. And I think that, that you really hit the nail on the head. Like it made it a destination because it's, it's, this is, it's like this with a lot of big market teams, especially with history like this, is that there's no better place to be when you can win. And it feels like there's no worse place to be when you're losing. And like, that's, that's kind of the perspective that I would have as a player. But right now, I think the fact that, like you said, the emergence of these young players. So these people, they're looking at the team and they're like, this team has some ingredients that if you cook them a little bit longer and you add like a couple at least sprinkle in a little bit more talent, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get some success. You're going to have some success. Yeah. And who doesn't want to be a part of that? And I also, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Like Montreal might not be a destination because of the taxes and all of that stuff. Ah, I've that's called garbage. BS on that in the past. Yeah. I've called BS on that in the past because there are things that you could do to postpone no, no, no. your taxing no. and we're all gonna, that kind of stuff. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. If you <laughs> are paying the same rate of taxes in Montreal as another city, you, you have to hire a better chartered accountant. Like that's all it is, is that you're getting embezzled. <laughs> that's what's happening. There's no athlete that pays the, the, those high risk, those high tax rates that we see on websites. Not a single athlete in the NHL pays those. I'm just letting you know right now. That is a whole bunch of shenanigans, cocky pop, uh, poppycock, fiddlesticks, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. It's garbage. It's not true. So yeah, the, the rest I, mean, I agree even... with, but we can't blame taxes anymore. Sorry, but we and, know by now yeah. it's really easy to cheat on taxes. 
Well, that's the thing too. It's that you don't even necessarily have to cheat on them. There's just so many no, legal cheat, mechanisms but, yeah, yeah, there's for you to avoid. Yeah, there's so exactly. yeah, there's yeah. so many things you can do, and you no, no. get to avoid paying that kind of tax any, rate. Any so, chartered accountant worth his weight um, will will well, no. uh, yeah exactly that won't be an issue. The team will help. Like it's not it's not an issue. And some agents even offer that service. So like like it's just it's not a thing. And so. You know, what, you know what the big really... one is, Laura? It's winning. It's winning. We can make all these excuses like in the world, but are you telling me that New York doesn't have high taxes and lots of pressure? You know what I mean? Like same thing with Toronto. It's winning. Athletes want to win. Eventually, you make $40 million in your career. Uh, making another 42 won't make a huge difference down the line, right? These guys want to enjoy success, and I think that's what the Canadians brought back to the forefront. They started to win a little bit, and the promise of winning is more important than taxes, more important than potholes, and more important than bagels. It's winning. <laughs> Nothing's more important than carbs, Mark. You know, yeah, you're right. Fair enough. I've been I've been surviving on M M&M and M peanuts, bagels, and and clementines recently. So yeah, I'm all for that. So the baklava is going to come in at a really good time. In yeah. our final segment, we're going to talk a little bit more with Mark, and maybe we're going to bring up a topic that. Scott loves, and that's coming up in just one moment. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. We are going to have more with our special guest, Mark Dumont. We're going to get a little bit more in-depth into prospects and things like that. But before we do that, we have our final segment today in which we are going to talk about jerseys, which is (laughs) one of Scott's favorite topics. And uh, this is coming at a time when... The all the like reverse retro is what they're calling it. All the jerseys like so, there's teasers. Hold on, reverse retro. Does, doesn't that just mean now? Like <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. That is what reverse I like, retro. Reverse so retro. not so the opposite of retro is current. It's current. So like they're just releasing the same jerseys, but we've had teasers and they are supposed to be coming out in the next couple of days, if not today, when you hear this episode. Uh, but so far what we have is they've teased enough of the Canadians jersey to know that we have like this beautiful dark blue as the main jersey. But before we even look at that, like I love jersey talk on here because like there are some wild jerseys out there. There's some really fun stuff. And, you know, there's always the debate with the Barbara Pole jersey. Is it good? Is it not? I'm Great. in favor. Mark, are you in favor? Oh, I bought one. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, it's not made for HD cameras. Let's be honest here. It was made for um, post-war whatever materials were available. But the jersey itself is gorgeous. You just can't use it in a professional setting with cameras. That's not that we, that clearly didn't work. But the, the design is great. And the current arena lighting, I find. So, yeah. in the spirit of this reverse retro quote unquote, I want to ask you guys because Scott, I think that you have like maybe four million by the time we're talking about it. Um, what kind of cool retro, like actual retro, not reverse retro, retro jerseys would one be able to find in your possession? And this goes to both of you. Feel free to answer. I, I, I just have a regular. Scott, did you get the Laval one? Uh, no, because I oh. didn't have enough money to bid in the silent auction for them right. because those jerseys I, were gorgeous because that them, cream. You color. have to sell these. You have to sell these. And they're like, you can bid on them. I say, no, no, no. I'm like, also, you have to make these your regular jerseys. But the retro Laval, gorgeous. I do have the retro ice caps they did with the Elcat and everything on it for, uh. Oh, with the Newfoundland the, uh, regiment. Oh yeah, that gorgeous, gorgeous. It's framed in my shadow box with a John Scott stick and some cards and some pucks from Patrick. And it's probably my favorite jersey I own, but it 
uh, it ended up as part of a collector's item. And outside of that, in terms of like retro jerseys or just throwback things, like I have the old red and green Canadian Centennial jersey, and then I have an Atlanta Thrashers powder blue jersey because I had a chance to buy an Atlanta Thrashers jersey. Why would I not buy that? Oh, and then I have the Pavel Bure flying skate jersey from the Canucks, the red and the black and the yellow from 1994, and it might be arguably the nicest NHL jersey I own so far, and I'm probably going to add to this at some point once I move out to Buffalo and start, you know, scouring their thrift shops and finding God knows what there, too. I want to buy the meth bear. I want to get the brunes with the meth bear on it. That's my favorite. <laughs> I, they like, brought it back. I, it's on the show. Oh, hell now. yeah. That's so 2020. I, like, I actually have kind of a love for ugly jerseys. I don't, I don't find them ugly, but the meth bear, right down my alley. I'll put it beside the 1927 Winnipeg Falcons jersey that's like that. Not not just mustard yellow. It's like if anyone's had a, a child, like a baby, you know what color yellow that is. Yeah, it's, yeah I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Give me all your, your – I have a bunch of European jerseys with just tons of logos on them, and I find them so fascinating. And people are like, what are you, a, you know, a walking billboard? I'm like, sure, yeah, absolutely, for this rare Czech chocolate. Like, isn't that cool? So, yeah, no, I'm all for – Cool jerseys, new jerseys, ugly jerseys. I'm actually looking, you know what? Jokes aside, I feel like I haven't seen all the jerseys yet. I feel like this might be a pretty good redesign. Like, for the most part. And you know, you know something might be good when Twitter hasn't completely turned on it yet. Cause, cause hockey Twitter will turn on anything. It will hate something before it exists, right? Like that's just what we do on hockey Twitter. We're so critical. <laughs> I feel like the response so far on the teases have been like 50-50, and that's a pretty good sign. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of them. The Colorado one kind of confuses me to see the fleur de... Oh, sorry, Scott, can you go ahead and pronounce what's no, going to be on the bottom? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> seeing the fleur de lis at the bottom um, in purple <laughs> is really weird. Uh, but, uh, hey man, that'll give us something to talk about in Quebec. Yeah, absolutely. And so here's a question before we get into that, because Scott brought up a, a, an important, uh, funny question earlier, but like, I think part of it is also the quality of the images and the stitching. Like every time they release a teaser, so they did a division by division for those of you who aren't on Twitter and are curious as to what's going on. They've kind of released like little bits of it, like corners or collars and, and things like that and like the stitching and the like the the detailing seems so high quality and the images that they're that they're posting so like you can't help but get excited about them like the 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 carolina one is clearly going to be a throwback uh or at least a, a what do you call it a send send off or something da, da, whatever da, it is da, 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 inspired da. by yes <laughs> Homage? In, inspired homage? by the whalers and um, yeah an homage um oh, an homage and, uh, an homage <laughs> yes of the i was uh, brand bonanza uh, though no one no, all right fine no, i got I totally it don't worry it. i literally said the hartford before <laughs> do you know that they, yeah. they used to play in a mall there like see that's the other part is that people are going to get upset at the the nostalgic factor at, at, at borrowing it but let's be honest here like there, you're not. I, I and I know in Quebec it's particularly touchy because when the Nationals do it for the Expos, people get really upset. But the Expos don't exist anymore. The Whalers don't exist anymore. The Nardzik do not exist anymore. So I think it's fine if these guys celebrate a little bit of the heritage. They're not stealing it, like you say. It's an homage or an homage. Yes, and 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 I think that that's perfectly fine. And another thing too is that it seems that let's say like for Carolina. People are like excited about the, the Hartford connection, 
But then whenever you go to, to the avalanche, like there's it, like people are so testy when it comes to, and, and it, it, like, I find it so interesting because, you know, the Nordiques Jersey is, is widely accepted as one of the most beautiful if jerseys like in yeah. hockey history. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's and, honestly, and, and People were, you know, I said I was ambivalent towards a new redesign. Like, oh, it's because you're a Habs fan. I was like, no, because I really like the Nelzig jersey. I think it's gorgeous. And that's the thing, too. It's that, like, Habs fans will be seen wearing it despite how uh, the rivalry was, right? <laughs> I, listen, I've seen it. I, I haven't, but I've seen it. It is gorgeous. And so, and that's is, why really. I find it so interesting that people, like, get upset about that because it's it's sort of like, if you're going to put something on there, like, why not be some of the cool elements? Well, of the, the, the list is, like, the nicest logo there is, right? You know, it's, it's exactly. like, it's a gorgeous logo. Like, the Quebec flag itself is gorgeous. It's one of the nicest, objectively, one of the nicest flags, right? So, no, I, I'm all for it. Uh, I feel like, now, obviously... The other part of it is tribalism, right? So Montreal has a long history, or Quebec has a history of losing its teams, and the Expos and the Nelzik, that was kind of a double whammy. I think there are more Hartford Whaler fans now than there were when the Hartford Whalers existed. And so I feel like it's a little <laughs> bit different in their sense. There's a lot more people faking it in Hartford, probably, than there are in Quebec. It's like, it's a real wound, let's be honest here. Uh Losing those two teams hurt, and and you can't pull away the Nelzig without talking about the Expos because it happened to the two major cities in the province. So it's a sore point, uh, and I get people are going to be upset about it, but let's let's keep in mind it's a piece of cloth. This is true. I think it's 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 one of those things where it's like don't take it too seriously, but enjoy whatever you can out of it. Is is the way that I look at it. You know, one thing you can do that I found is a really easy uh, like. Pro, pro, you know, a, a life hack. If you don't like something, don't pay attention to it. There you go. Problem yeah. solved. Like you literally, just... <laughs> literally move on with your day, and that's it. That's like it's done. Unless it's affecting you, or it's obviously like an injustice in the world. But if you don't like the jersey, just scroll, man. Just scroll up. Keep going. Like there's nothing <laughs> stopping you from from just ignoring it. You don't have to go out and say how much you hate it. Shh. Let people enjoy things. Exactly, especially things that aren't hurting anybody. And in that vein, I think that's some really good advice for Toronto fans because for whatever reason, they love focusing on all the things the Habs do and trying to prove that the Habs are doing the worst thing in the world and they're the biggest failures. And so what we want to turn our attention to is going to be some of the off-season moves that we as Habs fans and people who watch the, who actually watch the team night in and night out uh, are excited about these changes that the Habs made. And we're going to do that in tomorrow's episode, again with Mark. And you're going to, I said tomorrow, but we are three days a week. So you're going to have to tune in on Wednesday to hear the rest of what we have to say about the off-season moves. We're going to talk about the prospect and also lots of other things that's coming up tomorrow. If you want to follow Mark on Twitter, he's at Mark P. Duvon. Don't do it. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't, you're not in the, you, you're a fun tweeter, so I highly recommend it. I'd unfollow uh, if me. Find... If I could, I'd unfollow me. <laughs> if you want to find his work, you can go to the official website of the Montreal Canadiens, where he is a special contributor. If you want to follow us, we are at LO underscore Canadians. Scott is at Scott Matla. I am at The Active Stick. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and tune in on Wednesday where we will have more with our special guest, Mark Jumo.